Rewind with Oshin Langan. It has one for Quinnivan. 14 meters out. Shot. Goal! What a goal! Michael Quinnivan! We can celebrate the long tonight. We know the tradition. Nemo having Munster to beat them in a Munster Championship game takes a, a huge, huge effort. And thankfully we got there probably by a way that no one was expecting, but sure. We got there in the end, which we're happy about. Everyone thought this team was done, but boy, if they proved people wrong, they have bounced back and kicked down the door of the promised land. Aulart Zabala, finally, champions of Leinster. Uh, yeah, to be honest with you, yeah, it would have been, uh, if I had been out there today not winning, it would have been tough to come back from though, to be honest with you. with the spectacular finish. And is that the try that ends the 29-year drive for Connacht? The time in park and... Uh, to hear Connacht, Connacht, just the cheer of Connacht away, man, is just shows how far we've come, not just as a team, but as a, as a whole province. Milner against Sabianski. Milner scores straight down the middle. Liverpool lead at Anfield. James Milner with the penalty. It's Liverpool 1, Swansea 0. This is the rewind on News Talk. In there, you heard from Alart Tabala fullback Keith Rossiter and Clonmel commercials forward Michael Quinlivan on their first ever provincial titles with their clubs. A Killian Whelan of Tip FM rather excitedly uh, describing the Quinlevin goal which snatched it in the end for the Tip men. And more on those games to come. Plus we have a sit-down interview with Donal O'Cusack on joining up with Davy Fitzgerald and Clare. His time with the GPA, which ended uh, over the weekend. And how Super 11 hurling can expand the sports borders in Ireland and abroad. As well as all that, there's the Premier League and if Richie Towle can play at the Euros with Paddy Mulligan. Richie Towle, of course, just after joining Brighton. We'll also hear from Connor coach Pat Lamb on their first win over Munster in Thumman Park since 1986. First though, it's hurling and after six lost finals, Alart Tabala are finally champions of Leinster following a 2.13 to 13 points win over Kula in Carlo. After the game, I caught up with some of those involved, starting with fullback Keith Rossiter, who was one of those who endured the hurt of losing four finals in a row and also an early exit from last year's uh, Wexford Championship. They were beaten in the quarterfinals. So this is what Rossiter had to say. Keith Rossiter, at last, a Leinster title for Aulart de Bala. Tell me how you're feeling. Yeah, I feel brilliant. Which is, is, it's great. It's, you know, it's a feeling I've been waiting for for a long time. You know, we, we got beaten four Leinster finals. That, that team of ours show a great battle to come back there today and, and to get back to an instant final win it. You know, I couldn't be prouder of the boys, it's absolutely brilliant. Was it kind of yourselves you had to overcome, if you know what I mean, coming into this, having gone through the hurt that you've gone through mentally, that must be quite tough and even tougher to get through that and win like you have today? Well, mentally it's been a tough couple of years, to be honest, which has been a tough six years. You know, we got to 10 county finals in a row, 1-8, never got a Leinster. You know, so mentally it's been tough the whole way along. I suppose the one big thing we looked at today was that we tried to look beyond the, the Leinster final thing and it was an All-Ireland quarter final, just another game. Maybe there's just too much emphasis on Leinster finals the last couple of years. And You know, we were favourites before. Favourites don't always win. You know, the favourites tag didn't work any good for us, but, you know, we turned down the underdogs. We turned over the underdogs today and we don't, it, it worked well for us and we're delighted. Physically, you were on top, but you used the ball really, really well. I mean, you used it very smartly, even against the breeze in the second half. Yeah, I suppose we sort of had to. We came in at half-time and we... We discussed it that we weren't using the ball really that well in the first half with the breeze. Uh, we ran the ball into a lot of traffic, 
but when we were cycling, we got the scores. You know, they had a man back. I think they had Oshin Goss sitting back in front of guards in it. You know, so we weren't going to get scores there. And we, we missed a lot of chances, really, and wasted a lot of balls. So half time we got a good grill, and we weren't really happy with the way we were performing. We missed two or three goals, which is which is crazy too. But the goal come for half time was brilliant. But uh, look, it was it was great. Uh, we had to dig deep, you know, in fairness to Kula, they came back at us and they came back at us strong, a couple of points and I think probably got four maybe in a row, you know, which started to put us to the pin of our collar, but in fairness to the forwards, the questions being asked of our forwards and Leicester finals before, our scores hadn't been great, but they've done it today. What was the motivation? Was it, was it fear or was it just, as you say, just a game, just a Leicester final? I suppose the motivation is that we're from a club, a small club, Howler to Ballock, you know, that's the motivation. Uh, it's a great par- great two parishes they're hurling mad we don't kick any football in the club at all it's all about hurling and it's what the club deserves to be honest with you you know for the work and look we've come all women at home after doing two all Ireland's you know they're putting us to shame really so we're starting to try to catch back up to the girls really and you know but it's what the club deserves as a whole you know as a Leinster and you know it's, it's great for the parishes and what about you would you have been haunted for the rest of your career had you not captured at least one Leinster uh, yeah to be honest with you yeah it would have been uh, if I had went out there today not winning, it would have been tough to come back from now, to be honest with you. Uh, I'm, not, I'm not that old, but uh, we're this so-called agent team and we needed to turn it, turn it over at some stage or, you know, it could go past us. And look, it's, it's just brilliant for the it's brilliant for the bunch of players and, and the two parishes in the club. You know, you know the, the mental side of it, we've been down, we've had very tough days, you know, and to bounce back like that there today is just absolutely brilliant. And is that something that would have been talked about all year? Because obviously last year was very tough, losing in the Wexford quarter final and people saying that's it done for Eilert was it something you talked about yourselves or was it just self-motivation all year you kind of kept the fear inside individually or kept that drive inside individually or was it something you discussed regularly I suppose fear is, is, is probably the wrong thing to be saying about it I suppose it's motivation and what, what drove ourselves really uh, I suppose we got hit by Glen Barrington in 2014 in the quarter final which is you know we deservedly beaten we weren't good enough and it took us but it was probably a break and a bit of looking in the mirror time for us all really and you know, we, we came back as a, as a group of players, we talked about it. And uh, the main goal for the year was to get back to a county final. You know, we just felt we wanted to get back to a county final and get a good shot of winning it. Uh, we done that. And we're in bonus territory ever since. And people might think you're mad saying you're a bonus territory, but the last four Leinster finals we were going in favours. And uh, the, whole, the whole talk on it was that, you know, how much we're we going to win by. You know, never looked at it once like that this year. It was game by game, clock belly call of the week after the county final. The two weeks later it was up to Clan Kill as well two serious battles as well and I suppose I suppose that's one thing with the team this year you know we're very united and you know we're, we're willing to dig in and win the dirty ball and you know that's this time of year that's what you need and sometimes the skill doesn't overrun and it's the team that works hard wins and you know that was us there today Frank Flannery your coach must take tremendous credit I know him quite well because he coached my own club at home and the Prendergast come from my club and they couldn't speak highly enough about him and all the players the same he looked Smarter and more composed today. Was that down to Frank's coaching and maybe the, the experience he gathered yeah, over suppose, the years? Okay, any of the coaches that came up with us there now the last ten years, you know, we won county finals, got to the Leinster finals, just been very unlucky, really. Uh, you know, we had, we had a lot of guys. We had Liam Dunn, Martin Story, over us. Liam uh, just hugged Frank there actually and congratulated. Yeah, yeah sure, look, we're all part of the one club, and you know, we had Pat Herbert as well and Brendan O'Connor and those guys as well over us. We had a lot of good men over us and just couldn't make the breakthrough. And I suppose Frank brought a different outlook to it today. Uh, lads, they give out about the Corks Island, the short passing but it worked for us in the second half and we're delighted to have Frank and poor Cork won't have him now for January or February now thanks to the God and you know Mr Kingston has another little battle on his hands there <laughs> Listen Keith delighted for you well done Thanks very much Frank Flannery Adart the Battle Manager and Coach tell me how you managed to achieve this um, Belief and taking one game at the time you said we take one game at the time and that's our 11th match now and we're unbeaten so 
it's a, a real good championship to win how much work did you have to do with the lads mentally because last year they exited early in the Wexford championship and of course previous to that they had lost four finals in a row so in GA generally when that happens when guys don't win we level we level a claim of bottling at them I look they're, they're unbelievable look they keep coming back they never, never get a text say Phil I won't be at training but the rule we had all year the hardest man you may called year has to be the man in training like I had that with Jerome Club do you know what I mean and if you have that and fellas buy into that and are thumping off each other they're slowly wearing to and we'll make good decisions under pressure that was a key point today that you made good decisions under pressure even when the wind was against you and people might be able to hear it here it's quite strong definitely look we used the ball very well in the second half look we were being criticised in Wexford for playing short game and you know this is a cart game and all this rubbish but that's just using the ball well do you know what I mean and we got numbers around the ball and we used it very well what does this mean to the club obviously you're kind of looking outside in having only come in was it this year you came in it is incredible lads look look we came up here look their Camogie team are phenomenal their underage teams are phenomenal they needed this like they know they've won some of the now, Michael Jacob has 10 senior county medals this, this, this is the pinnacle of his career and it's a fantastic club and you know, it's, it's, it's like Chelsea in a way it's, it's ruthless and you have to do your job well does that make you Jose Mourinho oh fair from it <laughs> just before I let you go what was the what was the key thing that you worked on with these lads ahead of this game because you looked like you had a smarter game plan than Kula well look we, we had four tapes in their last four games and they've, they've been a very you know they were trying to get Mark Schutte on the ball and Colin McCallum was going back and creating overlaps we said we go man to man football like and we try and mark our two wing backs, mark the space in front of their full forward line, because their two wing forwards don't score too much. That was that was that's what we said we go with to be honest with you. Franco celebrate, thank you very Thanks much. Thanks very much. Matty Kenny, cooler manager. It just didn't quite happen for your team for the bulk of the game today. I mean you went for it in the last twenty, but by that stage it was a mountain to climb. Yeah, I agree, yeah. But um, I suppose uh, there's a couple of pivotal scores. Um, you know, in the half time like we, we didn't do up to half time we weren't doing too bad, you know. Um, we're uh, within five pints and they got a goal in injury time and that's, that gives them the cushion you know it was a very strong breeze in the first half and I think if we'd gone in five pints down then it would have been a realistic target to, to, to attack in the second half but the goal they got before half time really give them that you know put them out to eight pints and uh, really gives something for them to defend in the second half that must have been a particularly disappointing goal to concede not only in a time sense but also the fact that David Redmond was allowed to cut through the heart of defence and slip it to an unmarked man in the square yeah and uh, I suppose you know Ideally, like you know, I suppose he should have been tackled earlier, you know, even if to just a uh, concession or free, you know, and uh, let them take the point. But uh, look at you know, the lads will look at that and uh, they'll, they'll learn from it. And uh, you know, uh, Dave Redmond has made a habit of that in the last in the last number of matches, you know, making them, them deep runs from midfield, and uh, just something we're aware of. And uh, I suppose you know, as you say, going right through the heart, you know. Possibly should have been stopped. Yeah. What about yourself? You're obviously being linked to the Galway job. As anyone with experience and a Galway connection has been in the last couple of weeks. Yeah, look at uh, you know, my my uh, total focus is Okuda um, uh, getting ready for today, and uh, you know the, you know today is all about Kula and uh, you know there's a lot of very disappointed people uh, in the dressing room here, and uh, you know we got to look after these and make sure. Uh, we get them back safe to Dublin. You know. That's my first priority tonight. You know. And that's fair enough. But this this bunch of players can bounce back, as you say. They're quite young. Oh, they're quite young, yeah. But look at you know the Dublin Championship is a difficult championship. Like you have a lot of good teams there. Like Jude's are knocking the door there. Like Crokes, uh, Ballyboden, Vincent's, all these teams. You know. Uh, so the, the hardest thing maybe is to come out of your county. So that, that that's 
that's got, they got to focus now is uh, is uh, thanks lads. Uh, they got to go now and focus and and, and, and uh, looking at next year, uh, trying to win a county championship, get out of Dublin, and then it's only then that the experience and answer this year will stand to them. This is the rewind on news talk, and that was the reaction from Aulart the Bala after their win over Kula. You also heard from Kula manager Matty Kenny, a Galway man who has been involved with Galway in the past. And last year, he went for the Galway job. Anthony Cunningham obviously held on to it. He's now gone. Kenny is being linked to it, but he wouldn't be drawn on whether or not he'll go for it. In Ulster, Cross McGlynn won their 11th provincial crown, a 217-212 win over Scottstown in extra time at the Athletic Grounds for them. And no doubt we'll be hearing more from Cross McGlynn in the run-in to next year's All-Ireland Club semi-finals. Uh, the big story in football, though, came in Munster, where Clonmel Commercials became the first Tipperary side to win the provincial title, beating Nemo Rangers 1-7 to 9 points on a pretty horrible day in Mallow. GAA writer Jackie Cahill from Tipperary has been following the progress of Clonmel and they're an extremely talented bunch of players. Um, before we hear from Jackie, uh, let's get more from commercials full forward Michael Quinlivan and first Nemo, Ray- Nemo Rangers manager Stephen O'Brien uh, who reflected on the game and, and a big loss and a shock defeat uh, with Red FM's Lisa Lawler oh, I thought we had it um, I think it was whatever was less than a minute left I think we were two points up they got up and one high ball into the square and they got the goal so that stage was no real coming back you know so we had plenty of chances and we squandered an awful lot of chances gave away too much ball on the day we still thought we might have snuck it but it certainly wasn't one of our better games this year so look took our chance and we missed and you won't take away from Clonmel commercials and you can oh, very no, obvious they tried very hard in fairness they tried very hard in the first half worked their socks off as well they turned us over on the ball numerous times so I, I, I could blame our fellas you could also say fair play to Clonmel um, it looked like I got to go in the last minute and we did to do fair play to them you know you, you get one chance of this crack and you have to take it and we didn't commiserations cheers appreciate Thanks. it for everyone associated with Clamwell Commercials and Tipperary football, it's an unbelievable day. Definitely the sweetest victory we've ever had, probably. And we you know we went two points up and probably didn't kick on, which was the problem. We were, you know, I think we nearly sat back and we were expecting Nemo to come back at us, which you know that was the way it turned out. And in fairness to them, they are a very good team and a lot of experience. And they got their good, their the right men on the ball. You know, Paul Kerrigan kicks two points. They knew to get him on the ball, you know. But thankfully, we get a chance at the end, and it just ends up rolling into the corner. We obviously knew we had to really shut Nemo down today. I thought our backs were super, absolutely brilliant today, as they have been all year. They've they've stopped everyone. You know, no one is getting more than seven, eight, nine scores against us. You know, obviously we had a couple of goals that went in. Uh, earlier on in the championship which we weren't happy about but you know not making sure that we didn't concede a goal today was a big issue you know Paul Kerrigan runs through and the ball skirts outside the, the outside of the post and then it goes in the other side it's just meant to be I think isn't it Michael Quinlivan of Clonmel commercials on their fantastic victory over Nemo Rangers in the AIB Munster Club football final GAA writer with the 42.ie the Irish examiner and the star amongst others Jackie Cattle joins us on the rewind now Jackie um when you think that no tip club has ever won the Munster Championship and up to this year no Premier side had won a game in the province since 2006 um, this really has to go down as a special achievement Yeah, it's a bit of history in the making there alright yesterday Oshin, and it, you know, it comes on the back of um, some landmark successes for Tipperary football in recent years 2011 All-Ireland Minor Final winning the Munster Under-21 this year, getting to an Under-21 All-Ireland final. It's just another sign of the, the excellent progression and the strides that have been made in Tipperary football in recent years. But, 
you know, to win a club title is something very, very special and commercials hadn't contested one in 21 years, lost to Cork opposition on, on that occasion in the form of Castlehaven. But yesterday when the chips were down, you know, two points down in stoppage time, you need a leader to emerge and young Michael Quinlevin, you know, he stuck a penalty to his 16 end against Dublin in that minor final in 11 and he's been exceptional all year for commercials and, uh, stu- stu- you know, stepped up to the plate, grabbed possession, scored a super goal past Michal Martin and, Commercials are waking up this morning, I'm sure, with some sore heads, but with the uh, knowledge that they are Munster champions. A fantastic display from them. They really had to fight it out, and it's not the first time that they've done that this season. I read an interview with uh, Charlie McKeever, their, their manager, a former Sligo Rovers player, a Dunny Goldman, who's in at Tipperary because he's a teacher there, and I think his wife mm. is a tip woman. Um, and, and they've actually kind of given themselves some mountains to climb in matches this year, and it seems to be a position they like to be in in games. Yeah, they were in trouble in the county final against my Rovers. They were in big, big trouble against Newcastle West in the Munster Club in Clonmel. A little bit more comfortable for them in the semi-final against St. Joseph's Milltown Malbay. Uh, but yesterday, I think they, they managed to extricate themselves from probably the most perilous position of all, all year, which is two points down in stoppage time. So for that, they deserve immense credit. And they've built up this unbelievable um, steal this year, Oshin, you know, some of those players, young Jack Kennedy and Ross Peters, you know, they've won under 21 county titles, senior county titles, minor hurling with St. Mary's last weekend, let's not forget as well, uh, played in All-Ireland finals with Tipperary at minor level, won Munster championships, it's just been an incredible roller coaster ride and, you know, for those two clubs in Clamell, St. Mary's and Commercials, you know, sister hurling and football clubs, it's been, it's been an unbelievable few weeks and, um, Jack and Ross still have a potentially a minor football county title to win as well, so they could sweep the boards at all levels. But um, you know, yesterday is a day that'll never ever be forgotten for Clonmel Commercials. Just sensational stuff. It's a great day for Tip Football, but it doesn't necessarily mean that a great period has been set up because many of the county's best footballers won't actually be playing for Tip next season in Division Three and beyond. Yeah, which is a shame. Much you're going to be without one third essentially of your team going into the new year um, the new manager Liam Cairns he's already seen the Colin O'Reardon leave for Pastures New going off to play Aussie Rules with, with Sydney Swans um, Seamus Kennedy you know one of the real heartbeats of that commercials team is, has put himself forward for Michael Ryan's hurler Stephen O'Brien from Ballina you know who's come onto the who's exploded onto the inter-county scene in the last couple of years the, the midfielder who was the sidekick of Colin O'Reardon in midfield he's going in with the hurlers as well Jeremiah Hare is injured and out for the entire league and George Hannigan won't be seen until maybe March or April. So big, big problems for Liam as he comes into, into the new job and tip. And um, it's just a little, a little bit disappointing that you have a situation where you have a club now who are Munster Club champions, but you have five players there that I've mentioned that won't be available for Tipperary next year. And Liam's a little bit behind the eight ball right from the start, but... I suppose the good thing is there's been recent underage success at minor and under-21 level, so there is that conveyor belt that he can draw on. Um, you know, but you're talking George Hannigan, Seamus Kennedy, Stephen O'Brien, Jermall Hare, Colin O'Reardon, massive leaders, and they won't be easily replaced. Massive players as well. Look, talking about uh, massive leaders, to bring it back to Clonmel commercials, what about Charlie McKeever? Sometimes it's good to get a guy yeah, yeah. who's kind of um, looking outside in and then he steps inside and gives you a good view of it and, and can do what he has done. Yeah, really, really nice guy, you know, very approachable, good talker, very organised, um, was, of course, in charge of the tip minor footballers this year, uh, got them to an All-Ireland final, albeit they were well beaten by Kerry, but, you know, for, for tip footballers to be contesting All-Ireland finals is, 
it, it's you know was, was practically unheard of up till a couple of years ago. But you know, people will tell you, Oshin, you know, he, he's obviously you've mentioned his previous soccer experience as well. Very well thought of, very well organised, and, and gets the most out of players. And very, very good man manager, I think, is, is, is the phrase that people will use about him. And potentially a tip senior football manager of the future if he wants to go down that road. Um, but for now, he's looking forward to an All Ireland uh, quarter final in, in in just a couple of weeks' time, which is, you know, it's, it's landmark stuff for Tipperary football and landmark stuff for commercials as well. You know, one of the traditional heavyweights of, of Tip football, uh, but to go and do it in Munster is, is taking this to a whole new level. And that'll be tough playing away in London against Tyrconnell Gales. Yeah, it's a potential banana skin, and one they've, they've, they've got to be careful of, and just get their heads back down to business now. Over, I'm sure what will be a, a couple of hectic days of celebrating. Um, I just hope it's one they can negotiate because these are the little games that you know you, you come off such a massive high, and, and to go to London, it's going to be cold, wet. Um, they're going to have to be tuned in, and let's just hope they are. I don't know a lot about your Connell Gales, but I'm sure they've got a number of of, of players who, who've moved across and who've worn their county and club shorts with distinction over here. So it's going to be tricky and, and commercials will have to have their heads tuned in. And we know about Tyr Connell Gales. They were the only ones to really give Cora Finn a game last year, maybe Absolutely. outside of St. Vincent's. Absolutely. And that's the, the pedigree they bring to the table. And, you know, the London champions, they deserve massive respect. We saw the run that London went on in the Connacht Championship a couple of years ago as well. So um, it's going to be a big game. Um, I'm sure there'll be a few from Clonmel make the trip across and they'll, they'll enjoy themselves. But first and foremost, they've got to get out of there with a the result, Oshin. That's, that's the main thing. You can go and enjoy yourself over the course of a weekend, but if you come home on, on, on the end of a, of a defeat, it's, it's not really worth a whole lot. So, you know, commercials have a chance to go further here. It's the same with Owlert in the Leicester Hurling Championship. Are they happy now just to win their province? Or do they have the motivation and the desire to go, you know, one, maybe two, maybe three steps forward in commercials case? And it's going to be very interesting to find out. OK, Jackie Cahill, thanks for joining us here on the Rewind on News Talk. Anytime, Oshin. Thank you. Still to come on the Rewind here on News Talk, Connacht coach Pat Lamb on winning at Munster and Paddy Mulligan on how Richie Towle could feature for Ireland in Euro 2016 following his move to Brighton. We'll stay with GAA for the moment, though, because at the weekend, Limerick's Seamus Hickey took over from Donald O'Cusack as the GPA chairman. Best of luck to Seamus in his new role. Uh, one of Cusack's last acts as chairman was to oversee the Super 11 hurling in Boston last week in which uh, Galway beat Dublin at Fenway Park. It was quite an occasion. If you listened last week, you'll know I was there. Um, I spoke to Cusack about how this format can grow the game and what the GPA want to achieve with it. But we also chatted about his role, or his now former role, uh, with the GPA and um, particularly player issues. And also, we chatted about his new role with Clare. He will be a coach working with Davy Fitzgerald. Uh, we started though with the Super 11 and how Cusack reacted to last Sunday's game, which saw around 30,000 people pack into the very famous Boston venue of Fenway Park. Yeah, I suppose you just have to be delighted, Oshin, really. You know, I think the it's important to, to go back and, and, and look at the origin of this. I think every hurling person would often comment about, you know, how beautiful our game is, how special hurling is, and you would have heard a lot of people saying, well, why, why can't we play it more on an international level? And one of the biggest barriers and obstacles that's been put in our way has been the size of the field so a number of years ago a group of players and ex-players got together and said right we know we love the 15v15 version we need to adapt it though if we want to uh, grow it in stadiums like this and uh, all credit to, to to those players to come up with that that format it was trialled at local level it was trialled in a Galway hurling tournament trialled in different areas um, played before an All-Ireland hurling final 
Then it was taken to Notre Dame to see how the American public would react. And we had people at the game with their specific role to try and understand what the what the public liked about the game. And we assessed the situation after that. And I suppose the next step was, could you take it to a venue like this? Um, and we were fortunate that myself and Daisy were given an introduction to a man called Sam Kennedy, who at the time was the chief operating officer of the Red Sox, now was the president. Um, and um, from there it grew, and the idea grew. And to be honest, during the course of those conversations and work over a, a long period of time, we had said that if we had gotten 10,000 people, that would be our target. So, the, um, And we always believed in it, though. We all believed in it, even though lots of people would have said, you're mad, you'll never... Yeah. You know, you never do something like that, and um, the um, we believed in it, and I think all the people who were involved in it believed that t- today it could happen. Today's event was good. I mean, it was really enjoyable. Twenty-five thousand people in watching this one. Uh, the reaction on social media mainly positive, and from what I could see from around the crowd, which was a mixture of Galway people, Dublin people, uh, people from other parts of Ireland, and people from the states, they loved it, and they loved it all the way through. They never lost interest. That's fine. But it's a one-off. How will you know in a year or two years if the Super 11s is having the effect that you want, which is growing the game of hurling? Yeah, well, so look, I think that it's important to say that today is the end of a journey and end of a kind of a proof of concept stage, really, because you've today played the game with that amount of people in an iconic sports stadium. So a lot of people would have said on this journey, it'll never happen. You'd never, you know, traditionally games, if you look back to the last hurling game that took place in front of Finway, there was only 4,000 people at it. We've all, you've been at all-star events. I've played in all-star games whereby you get a couple of hundred people. So I think it's important for everybody that's been involved to sit down and assess where we've come um, and see where we, we, we take it from here. And players have a strategy for the US that involves uh, increasing the exposure of our games and our players. I think we've we, we've done that over the last while and definitely done that today. Also part of that strategy is strengthening the network of our players. We have a strong belief amongst the leadership of the association that um, America and Ireland has a, a shared history and that there's a, a really strong bond between both nations. Aidan Hart's mother is, a, is an American um, lady and I'm sure she's, she's very proud today and we do believe that strengthening that whole network for the GPA, the GA and uh, everybody involved is a very important part of it. The GPA as well have been working in the US in terms of creating a a funding source over the last number of years and that's, you know, the the association needs money to to run its operation so that's obviously another very important aspect of the work in the US. Is there a worry that in trying to expand hurling with the Super 11s, you're going to take away from what's already being done here by a very strong association in Boston and New York, and you know you can go over to San Fran, there's a lot of work being done there, and all around America? Yeah, well, I think anybody who will be talking about that now will be trying to not even look at the glass half empty, they'll be looking yeah. for, for nothing at all in, 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 the, uh, in the glass. You can see the local Boston uh, GA here have gotten exposure that they've never gotten before. They've gotten... Uh, um, you know, the game of hurling, when they'll talk to a lot of people about the game of hurling next week and their own work and stuff like that, the, uh, people who wouldn't have before today, there will be a number of people who will now make that connection. Um, I'd also say like, that the this this game is not there to replace the 15 side. It never will. But this game was, you know, the idea came from very logical source, very, um, if you like, um, honourable and healthy uh, source and um, it's it's one that a, a rising tide will lift all boats would absolutely be my attitude for this. 
can this be used to expand the game at home because it's great going out to the States and, and trying to grow the game among the Irish community and beyond but there's still a job of work at home to do to expand the game because there's so many counties who just aren't interested in a meaningful way I mean what there's six or seven counties only really serious hurling counties I mean so are you going to use this at home to try and grow the game why do you think hurling hasn't expanded at home into those counties it's a very skillful game it's hard you have to play it from the grassroots up and football is already established in a lot of these places they just don't have the hunger they don't have the appetite and that maybe the level of coaching isn't there because if you look at I was actually talking about him today I you have to excuse me if I get the name wrong Joe Dunphy the former principal of Barry Hill like he worked with these kids all the way through and it helped them become the herders they are my own dad was a primary school teacher he would have worked with um, with you know a lot of kids and would have done his own coaching then coaching came into the schools and coaches were sent out and in some counties maybe there's and in some schools and some areas there's, there's more interest in one sport than there is in the other and the expertise isn't there to grow it so by the time you get like there's no good in bringing in no good in, in putting, and I'll, I'll use a guy you worked under, because I know you've got time for him, and I do as well as a, as a manager. I think he's a great manager, great hurling brain. There's no point in sending Donald O'Grady up to manage the Cavan senior hurlers. You need to get guys like you, and I know you've done something similar, uh, or done, you've made attempts to go and, and work with these counties, but it's no good in getting them at adult level. You have to get them from six, seven, eight years of age, and maybe that's the challenge at home. Do I think that, if you're asking me, do I think that this 11s style format can be used at home? Absolutely, I think it's a perfect, uh, it's it's even a game that could be to be used to introduce kids to it because there's lots of aspects that are very enjoyable and you could argue are more enjoyable than the, the 15 a side game and we've, 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 we've both played that. I think it's actually an ideal winter training game you know, for, for, for teams to use, why not? We couldn't just see it's, you know, again, surfaces in Ireland are obviously very challenging um, around the winter months. I think it's an ideal type of game to develop a lot of the core skills and could be used to introduce players to the sport and maybe make it easier and more enjoyable for them to uh, to start off hurling. It's never this game is never designed to replace the 15 aside and should should never replace that. But um, I think that you've seen today and you've seen from the work and the thought that has gone in by a huge number of players that there's there's something really of value that has been created. But some will say maybe you should perfect the 15 aside and even maybe 7 aside at home before we try and expand the game with a, a different format. And I'm talking specifically at home, to, you know, trying to expand it, expand it into non-hurling counties. No, but if you see if you see my point, like it's it's a great idea. I love this concept. I love being in Fenway Park today. But there is an argument out there. You know, why not? Why don't we just expend the fifteen aside as it is? So stop doing what we were doing here today. But there there is an, an argument for that at home. I'm not saying I agree with it or anything, but but there's an argument. You can see where that argument comes from. Wouldn't have interest. Wouldn't not 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 not, not interest in uh, you know today is a great day for Holland yeah. and a great day for a great day for the players, um, great day for the the players who've invested a lot of time in this who've approached it in such a logical manner. You can argue against it, of course you can. You can say I I, I understand that argument. Of course I do. 100% understand it. But I think today is not a day to be to be bringing up any if you like. You know, false or looking for false. I think that 
you know, you shouldn't underestimate what actually happened out here today, that the players got together, formed a new form of the game and took it to a stage where there was almost 30,000 people on American soil, the biggest attendance on GA soil since the 50s, and I think it's a day to focus on that and, uh, and celebrate that. Well, there's a lot to celebrate today, and I agree with you, it was a great day and all that, but I suppose maybe the international rules faces a similar argument, you know, what does it do to expand the game? But look, you guys have looked at it, you guys are working on it, and... If it, if it helps more people play hurling at home or abroad, it's a good thing. You're coming to the end of your time with the GPA. How do you reflect on it? The, uh, yeah, it's uh, had a great time. Um, you know, obviously, would have, especially in the early years, there would have been a lot of, uh, of, of challenging times when the association wasn't recognised, especially Oisin. Um, would have had a fair few battles and a fair few arguments but to be honest all of those we'd make great friends and would have always seen a strong need for um, a player's representative body and that's happened now it's it's very much part and parcel of uh, being an inter-county player I think it's you know I, I always did envisage a day whereby it would be just an automatic thing when you'd walk into an inter-county dressing room that being, being a member of a, a representative body like the GPA would, would, would be part of that time so it does give me good Good satisfaction to, to see that, and it gives me great satisfaction to see the players who are driving it, and the, you know the different players are involved in the at executive level, all of the player reps that are there, and you know they all bring a totally different dynamic and an energy to the thing, and that's that's one of the reasons that I'm stepping down, and that I can just see it that there's there's loads of strong leaders around the place, and whilst it did need guys to. You know, and there was many of them I could find started naming all of the fellas who were happy to put their, their neck on the block over the years, if you like, and also put their shoulder to the wheel um, for the same ideals and beliefs that we, we, we had. Um, you know, it's, it's, I think, it's, I think we're, I'm leaving it in a good place. Could you ever see a time when you'll go back in some way, shape or form? Because obviously all management and hurling is temporary, um, so there will be a time where you know you, you mightn't be involved in county management and maybe then you'll, you'll step back in. And it could be very different. I mean, look at the strides that have been made over the time that you've been involved, even in the last couple of years. Yeah, I don't. I think that the uh, whatever will happen in the future, I definitely won't be involved in the, uh, in the GPA um, from, um, from a day-to-day running of the organisation or from... Um, um, you know, I think the chairman, the way I operated the chairman's role, I, I, I was involved in, in, in most of the, uh, the strategic decisions, and um, that's not going to happen. I, um, I'm looking forward to the next man coming in. I think I've been quoted already in terms of saying, and I'm looking forward to picking up the paper and reading it and seeing, being totally dissatisfied at the way he's taking the association and being able to give out about it. Look, you know it yourself, you're, you're, you're a big boy, you've been through an awful lot, that the GPA hasn't been unilaterally welcomed and we've seen a case of it even this week where Anthony Cunningham said in his outgoing statement outside influences on the Galway panel kind of helping to cause what, what, what's happened over there how uh, do you respond to that as, as GPA chairman? Yeah well, look I think you don't you see I just know that that's just part and parcel of where the, uh, the uh, it's part and parcel of the, of, of the evolution with instances I would have on many occasions referred to other players organisations when different things happened in our association over over the years and said look this is all just part of um, a journey that you're on as a players association the players association will never be or is not universally accepted do you know what I hope it will never be universally accepted because if it is then it's it's stopped to do it's uh, it's stopped doing its job and then the, um, that's just part and parcel of any representative body. You could say the same about, you know. I remember 
from early days when I got interested in the whole player movement and the, the player welfare movement within the GA I would have done a lot of reading about other players organisations and a lot of the stuff that you know that you'd see happening in those associations or would have read about that were happening in those associations you'd see yeah they were either after happening or, or that they were on the way to happiness yeah. as an association so I think the most important thing is that players continue to be in control of their own destiny um, they, they have a very strong voice but always remember as well that we are part of the GA and I think that's a, a thing that sometime, sometimes is missed we're, we're all GA people um, but I think it's a, it's a healthier thing for the association and a healthier thing for the association long term to have a player's body there always needs to be friction between the players and the administrators that should always remain. I remember when the um, when the first um, when the first agreement was being signed in um, in 2009. I remember one of the the most senior GA people on the GA side, um, just as as we were nearly getting to the to the finishing line. And I remember us talking about the need to whatever structure that was put in place, it was a structure that would need to ensure that friction would remain between board organisations. Um, Is that friction still there, though, really, now that you're kind of essentially part of the GA? Well, I think you're always going to have it because the players are going to... The players are going to always have and should have, um, or, sorry, very often will have differing um, opinions. So, for example, be it the, the, the ideas around the championship, be it... You know, be it even this, be it different views on, on whatever is uh, is happening within the association. Like the players at the moment would have a, a very strong belief, and the leaders that um, they want to embrace the whole dual career model and ensure that their their lives away from the the field are supported with a, a strong professional organisation. And I think that's happening left, right, and centre. And um, it's a thing that's a lot of the work of the GPA you now goes unnoticed because it's. Um, it's just not the kind of things that the likes of you were interested in or the likes of the media in general are interested in. I often laugh about that, that it was, you know, in the in the early days you'd be maybe plastered all over the place for, for making some sort of a controversial statement, but there's a lot more hard work going into bettering players' lives, and you can see that. I don't even have to refer to any instances, but there's very few players now who retire without thanking the, uh, the GPA as part of that, and there's been very high-profile references made to the... Uh, to the support of the GPA and I can guarantee you and I know that there's a lot of um, there's a lot of people in Ireland a lot of, a lot of people involved in the GA know that there's a lot of work being put in by the GPA yeah. but it's work that very often isn't spoken about and therefore goes unnoticed by the uh, the masses and I think that's fair enough and I think the work that you've done particularly on health and well-being is something that we as fans notice and, and your own brother has, has spoken very openly about this and, and other players have, have spoken very openly about this and I think it's something we all admire but from the outside we say, and we have to use the example of Anthony Cunningham and Galway and, and that whole thing that happened recently how does that work I mean when did the GPA get involved with that does the player rep say to you guys look we're, we're having an issue here because I mean, people they don't know how it works and maybe there's a bit of suspicion from the fans of the GPA or even county boards because we, we, we as fans, we're not sure how it works from the outside and we hear references being made like Anthony made in his statement of these outside influences. You know, so can, can you kind of clarify the situation as to how it all works? It would, but Anthony didn't mention the GPA in that, did he? He didn't, to be fair. But right. So are you putting words in Anthony's mouth? I, um, I'm, making, I'm making an assumption, to be fair, you're right. Um, but outside influences outside of Galway 
you know, that there's, I think people are curious to know what kind of role the GPA has so in something like this. Yeah. You're, you're saying to me that Anthony, so do you want me to assume that Anthony was mean the GPA? Do you well, do you, I think that would be pretty unfair to... Okay, do you think he did mean the GPA? I'm not, assumption is a, yeah. is, a, is, a, is a dangerous thing, so it's, uh, if you're... You were kind of saying he did mention the GPA yeah. or he didn't mention the GPA. I don't think he did from what yeah. I... From well, what he did, no, he didn't. Let's right. be absolutely clear. Yes, he didn't. We need to be fair to the men. There. We do, we do. And to be fair to you guys and to be fair to all sides. So look, we'll say in a situation like that, how does it work? Because I think people are genuinely curious. You know, when do you get involved? What do you do in a situation like that? Because it's becoming more and more that players are, are, are... If something isn't going right, if there's a friction with management, they go to you guys, they take... They take it into their own hands. And I think people appreciate why, because as Aidan Hart has just said to me, you know, guys are giving up their lives for this. So why shouldn't they have a say? I think people understand that. So from a player's representative's point of view, I think it's 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 just it's as obvious as anything and logical that, you know, the players when the players get into any sort of difficulty, be it or are looking for advice, like there's there's numerous calls and numerous conversations come from county squads for a whole myriad of different reasons that are looking for advice. So the, the Galway players are bound to, to, to come to the, their players' association and look for advice, albeit them understanding that this is a Galway players' issue. So I think it's only normal and I think it's, you know, I think it's only, it's only logical that the players will come f- and look for advice. And when they do, it's, uh, that's very much the... Um, that's very much what a, what a players' association is there for, or any type of other association that you're part of. That you know, if there's an issue that they have and 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 they need advice, and it, it's it's logical that they would come to the association. So very much in the in the Galway situation, if that's what you're asking, or and going a very long way around to to, to get into that point, um, I think it's um, it's only it's only logical that they 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 ask their association for advice. Now, you're going to have to work with Davy Fitzgerald. We're in a, a baseball stadium, so let's use a baseball term. That was a real curveball for a lot of people. Yeah, it was... Um, look, to be honest, I, I, I don't know, is it a weakness or a strength, but I was... Um, you know, I had a great time in the Sunday game, and I, I had a great time in all of those, but I, I liked the idea of getting back out and getting back to the to yeah. the front line and getting back out in the grass. And, um, you know, I had a really enjoyed the Sunday game learnt a lot from the Sunday game and learnt one of the main things I learnt was that all the people in there from a hurling point of view were fans of the game um, and they they just want to they're as much fans as I am and one of the things I was very appreciative to the whole Sunday game crew was they gave me liberty to bring what I wanted to bring to it and um, I had my own views strong views on how it should uh, how analysis from me should be performed and uh, I was very appreciative of them and when I got the phone call off Davy, yeah, you might have said it was out of the blue but definitely when I saw his um when I saw his number coming up on the phone and we missed each other on a couple of occasions and uh, I actually said it to my dad. I said, I have a missed call from uh, from Davy and I'm after I, I, I said I think he's gonna ask me to get involved in Claire. I had a strong sense of that. Um and I'm looking forward to it. Um I know how much has been made about the the you know, people would make a lot about maybe being different types of characters or whatever. But there's one thing, one definite common thing that we've got in place is that we both have a, a real love for the game. And I'm on record of saying that I'm a fan of that group. I'm a fan of how they play hurling. I'm a fan of their approach to hurling, and it's one I'm looking forward to really. Yeah. Cork and Clare clashed in the past, which means you and Davy have clashed in the past. Um, you wrote about it. When did you meet up for the first time? When did you talk for the first time? When did you realise, actually, you know what, we you know we we get on he's all right 
he said to me, you know, we think the same. Uh, you know, when when did G two start kind of forming a relationship? Yeah, well, look, things change, like gosh, yeah. like, you know, you move on. You need to, I very much operate in the fashion of, you know, I have a lot of things going on as, as most people have in yeah. their lives that you can't be, you know, it's for me, it's all about what's the next priority, what's the next area you want to focus on, what do you want to, what do you want to do with your life, and uh, I just, I think that, you know, time is too short for. To be, to be worrying about things that happened in the past and stuff like that and I know enough about life and enough about people that things can change and situations can change and um, you know it's um, so it's it's the future it's I, yeah. I wouldn't you know and I, I, it'd be the same it'd be the same with Davy that's yeah. that'd be irrelevant in the conversations to be honest you're two passionate hurling men so I suppose there would be something wrong if you didn't clash in the past when playing against each other um, you've been very complimented about Clare in the last couple of years what is it specifically that you like about them just like the way they play the game, um, and I know everybody's got their own taste in terms of what way the game should be played. But um, I was like that, like that team, like their players, like the way they seem to approach it. It's always it's a it's a hurling based approach, and um, the um, and you know the, if you like the fleetness of wrist, fleetness of foot, and uh, fleetness of thought, and um, that was the thing that I'm on record of saying before. And it's look, I'm a hurling person. It's that's my that's my. Yeah. My passion, Clare, is a is a very passionate place about a lot of things. Irish, be it music, be it dance, but it's it's definitely a passionate place about hurling as well. And um, you know, you need to. That's it. You know, you need to you know, take it on. And uh, it's a new it's a new adventure for me, if you like. It hasn't been good for them in the last couple of years. Have you kind of looked at it and said, okay, this is what's gone wrong, and I I think I can help fix that? I don't know. It's again. It's like I said to you earlier on. It's for me, it's you know I walk into a clear dressing room. This is a I'm very much part and parcel of that, and I very much commit myself in terms of whatever I can bring to the bring to the table to help them on 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 their journey. And it's all about for me. It's it's all about it's all about the future. It's and you're both very strong-minded guys. So how is the dynamic going to work if if there's something? And I'm not. I want to be very clear here. I'm not trying to do the sensationalist row thing. If you know what happened there, you know I re- I really I, I'm not. But like you know, you're very strong-minded, and he's very strong-minded. Is it a case that you know ultimately he is the manager, and that'll be his decision, or how how will the balance work in the management between yourself and Davy? Davy's the manager, absolutely, and it's. Um, but look, we're two, you know, it's um, two adults, two, yeah. two, you know, it's. A lot, I, th- I think Davy is misrepresented. People think he's a, he's a, he's a hothead, but he's not. He's passionate, and I've been lucky enough that I've got to know Davy over the years, and he's. He's actually, for the bulk of the time, a calm, assured kind of guy who really is a deep thinker about the game. Yeah, well, you know enough about the media game, and I know enough about yeah. the media game. Know that you wouldn't want to believe everything you read in the papers, and you wouldn't want to, uh, you wouldn't want to, um, to build your impression of an individual or group or organisation from the uh, information you get through the media. Or, to be fair, from a, a snapshot in time that. Um, a snapshot in time that you might see a person in a very pressurised, highly pressurised situation, and it's a uh, you know the bigger picture sort of way. It's almost we'd be wasting our time talking about that really. Have you met the players? The uh, met them last Friday night for the first time last Friday week. Sorry, um, and enjoyed it. Enjoyed it. Yeah, met them for the first time. Yeah. You're a very experienced hurling man, but in coaching per se, people were surprised that this move came maybe as early as it has. What do you make of that? Um. How do you make of that? I don't even think about it like that, to yeah. be honest. It's just, look, this is, a, if you like, an opportunity. And uh, 
It's just one that you assess and see, you, you know, you prioritise, like you say, and... Um, to be honest, that wouldn't come into my head. That's Don Lord Cusack speaking to me last week in Fenway Park about his now former position with the GPA, Super 11 hurling, and his new position with Clare. This is the Rewind Sports Podcast on News Talk. Uh, let's move to football now. Former Ireland, Chelsea, Crystal Palace, West Brom, and Shamrock Rovers fullback Paddy Mulligan joins us as usual. Uh, Paddy, Richie Towell is joining Championship leaders Brighton from Dundalk. It does seem like a really good move for the 24-year-old. Yeah, it was really only a matter of time before he moved because he's, he's been brilliant for the past few seasons. Uh, smashing player, a wonderful goal scorer. And I think, I think it's a very, very good move. I mean, Brighton are, 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 are top of their division now at the moment. We've got Chris Hewton, a, you know, a very good uh, manager um, who probably was a little bit unlucky up at Newcastle. And uh, I can see things going very well for Richie. And, you know, if he, if he starts performing in January right through the end of the season who's to say that he wouldn't be on the plane to, for the Euro finals either Yeah he can't play until the 2nd of January because yes. that's when the transfer window opens um, he'll take a bit of a break now Chris Hewton says that while his energy levels are good and he is fit he wants him to rest up what will be the big challenges for Richie because this is a fairly um, rough comparison or fairly uh, rough analysis maybe more so he is a big fish in a small pond over here over there he's going in maybe at the bottom Oh yes, and he's he's got to he's got to get in there and 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 assert himself for a start. And first and foremost, he's got to break into the Brighton team before anything else happens. And that's that's going to be a tall order for him as well. But I've got I've got every confidence that he's gonna he's gonna he's gonna do very very well over over in England because he is he's got he's got a great attitude and he's a very an extremely good player, very uh, a very intelligent footballer. Does he have the strength required for the championship? Well, he will because do. it's a very physical league. Yeah, and and and, and he will do. You see, he'll 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 he probably won't benefit from from January till till uh, till May, but the following season, I would say, would get a pre season, a real good pre season on, under his belt. Well, then yeah, I think we could see things from Richie Richie Tell maybe next season. And Chris Hutton is smart enough that he won't try and change him completely completely because there's no point in him going over there and bulking up, but losing his. His touch? No, no. I mean, he, he, he can't do that. And Chris, Chris Hutton would be would be sensible enough as a manager and as a man to go and uh, to go and know. Look, we'll we'll treat Richie. He's, he's not going to be able to uh, compete with these lads at this moment in time because of of the training that they've gone through over over the number of years. But he should be looked to it to to, to next season. And say, look, this is what he can do this season. Now let's go for let's go for next season. I think Richie Hill will be very happy with that. We've seen it in the past. Players going over like Noel Hunt and, and Kevin Doyle and making an impact. And Seamus Coleman probably the best of them. Um, what similar attributes do those players have to each other? Well, the attitude, the attitude is all important. Um, if, if your attitude is right and you look after yourself, uh, as the likes of Jack Grealish is not doing at this moment in time and hasn't done for quite some time, um, well, then you've got, you've got a real chance allied to your skill, allied uh, to, to, to the, the, the good skill factor that you would have. So I, I would expect that that, uh, that Richie will do very, very well. And, and again, Oshin, it, it, it really comes down how much, how much does he want to, uh, to go and play there. I should imagine that he's absolutely desperate to go and play in, 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 in the top divisions and, and try and get, break into the international setup as well. So, I mean, he, he has it all to play for. There's no question about that. And he seems like a good guy as well, so you'd actually wish him well. Oh, of course you would. You, you'd, you'd, you'd hope that he, that he does very well. And, and, and I, I, I happen to believe, having watched him here over the past few seasons at Dundalk, I think that he's going to do extremely well. It's a huge loss for Stephen Kenny and Dundalk as they go for three in a row. Oh, yeah. It, it, I mean, Stephen, Stephen will, will, 
will be will be happy in, in in one sense and very unhappy in another sense. But now the the challenge up to Stephen now to go and re, try and replace him. Now he, he, he it's impossible to replace Richie Tell, but get get the next best thing in there, and and that's what that's the challenge now for the Docker and for and for Stephen Kenny. More 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 problems for for the manager, but they're, they're problems that he that he that he'll enjoy. And again, it's probably a good payday for the Dock as well. Many players have gone over now and made it in the Premier League or the Championship or maybe even League One. Are we taking enough advantage of that as a league over here? Because the argument would be, well, why should we sell our own league off the basis of look what, look what our guys can do over in another league? But yeah. should we really actually be looking at that and going, you know what, there's nothing wrong with being that kind of league because we quite simply don't have the numbers to create a Premier League entity over here. So we should look at the positives and, and push those positives. And for me... This is a massive positive. A guy going over and doing what Richie hopefully is going to do, and and, and you know, and in the past we've seen Seamus Coleman again. I'll use that example of doing it, and that kind of makes me proud to be a, a follower of a Le- follower of a League of Ireland team. Yes, and also in in, in all of my lifetime, um, it has always been the case where the where the, where the best players always want to aspire to to getting to England, and and that and that hasn't changed. And 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 I welcome it. I mean, people say yes, it's a breeding ground. But uh, I mean, fine, it's a breeding ground. But players want to improve themselves, and they can only go so far here in 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 the league. And then they have to say, well, I need another challenge. Can I can I can I produce? It's like Stephen Kenny going away to Scotland to to, to for another challenge to try and try and be a, a successful manager in 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 the, in the Scottish league. And and Pat Fenlon the very same. So it, it doesn't change. And and I welcome it actually. I think I think it's great, and also I mean down the road at international level as well. It can only be good for uh, for the Irish setup if we have these players uh, playing on a regular basis at, at the top clubs in England. And there's a nice positive for the clubs as well because obviously Dundalk will receive a fee, but the schoolboy clubs that Richie came through will also benefit from this, yeah, and so they'll be able to build facilities and create more Richie towns. Yeah, so every so everybody everybody is a winner, and that's the, that's the beauty of it. Only positives for you. Only positive, as far as I'm concerned. I think I think, I think it's a great move for for Richie and for for many other Richies who are out there as well. I think I think it's a smashing move, and and I, I wish him all the very best. It's and I'll be certainly looking at his, his career very very closely from from now on in as well. Yeah, it's just a pity though that we have to wait four months until the Electricity League restarts. I mean, there's buzz created by Richie Towles' move, so people who've never watched a league game, and I mean kids, because yes. you have to get the kids in to support teams. You have you have to get people early. There's no point in chasing after adults and trying to get them into League of Ireland because they've made no, their mind up already. It's, it's too late. So yeah. there's a buzz about the Richie Towles. You know, yeah. everyone's saying he's an exciting player, yeah. but we have to wait four months until we go out and see the potential. Yeah, next next next, next March. Now we have to. Well, I think it's, it's ridiculous. The, the sixth or seventh of March that we that uh, we have to wait now till the league the league restarts and and hopefully uh, there will still be a buzz there with with the the the, the dark challenge of of trying to get uh, win three uh, titles in, in in succession. So that that'll be a, that'll be a huge ask now of Dundalk, and let's hope that other teams uh, step up, that the likes of Bowes step up, and that the Cork and. But is the wait too long though, Paddy? Are we losing? I think I think the wait. I think I personally think the wait is too long. You don't need you don't need four or five months off. Yeah. Okay. I, I think I think I think two months off would would be would be quite sufficient. Okay, well, look, I'm sure there are issues that um, we haven't kind of touched on there as to why the break is so long. But if you're playing football for a longer period, you're bringing gate receipts in for a longer period. Um, let's talk about the Premier well, League. The clubs have no clubs have no revenue coming into yeah. them, you know, unless unless their marketing department is is of, is of exceptional uh, quality, and and that I doubt very much. And for the bulk of them, they don't have assets; they don't have pitches whereby they can no, bring in revenue. Nothing, uh, unfortunately. Anyway, let's talk about the Premier League over the weekend. Um, 
Manchester United drawing one all with Leicester. Jamie Vardy becoming a record breaker. Yeah, smashing smashing goal as well. Casper uh, Schmeichel, you know, with, with a great throw out and, and uh, a wonderful run by Jamie Vardy. But he, he does this. He's been doing this to defenders, you know, for the past uh, two seasons now in, in the Premier League. That he 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 makes these runs right uh, right across uh, the defenders. And nobody tracks him. Now, Ashley Young was absolutely dreadful uh, playing in a defensive role the other day. He just let him run. <laughs> no danger. Go ahead, go ahead, Jamie. You go ahead. You fin- You stick it in the back of that. And then he's looking for offside. Absolutely. Is that stu- Van Hal's fault for picking him there or should a player have the basic he should, knowledge? No, he should have the basic knowledge. He should know exactly that he must stay with the runner. That's, a, that's always been a rule of thumb. You stay with your runner and you see the runner off until such time as there's no danger. And that's what he should have been done. But because Ashley Young is lazy mentally and physically... He, he he doesn't bother about it. Are you so, surprised that Van Hal still his, has him in, in I'm, the team? Because he I'm, doesn't strike me as a tolerant guy. No, I'm I'm, I'm amazed at Van Hal uh, that he can put up with so much from from between uh, from from Ashley Young between his, his, his diving and his, his lack of effort on a lot of occasions and, and letting people uh, go like Jimmy Vardy. This isn't the first time he, he, he's done that. He lets he lets fullbacks go past him. He, he just doesn't bother to pick up people. And and how Van Hal doesn't see through it is, is absolutely beyond me because he sees he sees other things but yet he doesn't see through uh, Ashley Young at all I, I, I can't figure that one out for the life of me we talked there's an a awful lot I can't figure out about Van Hal <laughs> now, now, now that we mention it we've talked an awful lot about Manchester United over the last couple of weeks and your misgivings are, are well known at this stage but what about Leicester and Claudio Brilliant. Ranieri tell us about how he has them set up tell us how he has them second in the league only on goal difference the beauty about, about Ranieri is he went into Leicester City and he, he checked everything out, even as far as what, what the players eat. And he saw nothing that he needed to change, which was, which was a great tribute to the previous manager, Nigel Pearson, as well. Uh, the coaching area was good. Uh, the facilities were great. Uh, the way the team was set up, excellent. And Ranieri went with it. I mean, there's, there's a story going around that in the, in the, in the, um, in the canteen at Leicester, uh, they had, I think it was rhubarb or apple crumble, apple on, crumble on, yeah. on, a, on a Friday. And he still allows that to happen, which, which, is, which I think is great. He's changed nothing. So it goes to show you what a clever man that he is as well. Contrary to what people would be thinking, would call him the tinker man, this, that and the other. Mm-hmm. But I've, I've always liked him. I think, I think he's a very, very clever manager. And certainly he's getting the very best out of, out of, out of uh, uh, the Leicester City players. And, and, and the, the great thing about him, as far as I'm concerned, is that he maximises, he's, he's, he's a real good manager, because he maximises what each player has got to give. And he makes the game very, very simple. And there's constant movement, constant passing, uh, constant support of each other. And that's, that's a, it's a real team effort. And he has that all over the pitch. And there's no superstars, and there's nobody trying to be uh, upstage uh, oh, we'll upstage this player because I want to be a, I, I want yeah. I want to be the main man here. There's nothing like that there. Everybody is is clued in as to what their job is, and it's wonderful, wonderful man management from any area. And long and long may it continue. I'd love to. I personally, I'd love to see Leicester go go on and win the league. Can they? Uh, well, nobody else seems to want to win it. So why why not why not Leicester? They're up there and, and they're getting great results. I mean, they they could quite conceivably have gone and won won the game on yeah. on on Saturday evening. No no question whether I was watching it. Uh, I thought we're, I thought we're the better team over the ninety minutes. Van Hal would disagree with me because he thinks that United were. I didn't think so. I thought that, that Leicester were the better team. They did, played played really well. Does it say something about the Premier League that Leicester are up there, are, are, or are we being too cliched and too disrespectful to them by saying, "Well, the Premier League must be poor if Leicester can be 
just 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 off the top on goal difference alone. No, it is. It is. It is a, a pretty poor Premiership. But take nothing away from Leicester. Leicester have earned the right to be up there on top. They've gone and they've gone and produced in all of the all of the games they've played. They've gone and won the games that they should be winning. You know, and they've come back from. They've also come back and drawn games and won games when they've been two goals down. That very few teams are doing that. So I'd, I'd give huge respect to, to Leicester City. It doesn't matter what the rest of the teams are doing. If the Uniteds of this world and, and, and the Chelsea of this world and the Arsenal of this world are not, uh, and the Cities of this world and the Liverpools and Everton of this world and Spurs are not producing on a regular basis, that's not Leicester's problem. Leicester can only go and do uh, what they're doing and that's going out and winning games. And, and they've, been, they've been a breath of fresh air to the, to the league. It's, it's, it's absolutely brilliant. Love it. Now what about Arsenal? Ar- Arsene Wenger... No, says same, he doesn't regret. Arsenal. Well, he doesn't regret picking Sanchez, even though he was carrying an injury. Well, he should. He should. If if if, if Sanchez was carrying an injury, uh, the manager has got to make the decision. The player will want to play. Sanchez is that type of player. Sanchez will play all day long, every day of the week, because he just loves playing. But there's a time when you've got to turn around and say, "I'll call halt here. The body is is is, is creaking a little bit. Yes. So let let let's have a little bit of a break." And that's no disrespect to, to Sanchez. Just times you have to just uh, take a long, hard look at it. Now, if Sanchez will turn around and say, yes, I'm OK to play, because he's a, that's the type of man that he is, that's the type of player that he is. That's when, that's when a manager has got to step in and say, no, let's give it a week. Let's take it from there. You have a rest for a week. That's it. Yes, I want you to play, but no, let's just give it a break. And that, that's what should have been done. wasn't done. So now they've, they've suffered the consequences now. And he's, a, he's, he's yeah. a big, big loss to Arsenal Football Club. And we don't know how long he's going to be out for, if well, he's going to be out. Well, it could be three or four weeks of, yeah. with a hamstring. And that's minimum. Yeah, Koscielny and Cazorla also picking well, up I don't injuries. Well, I don't mind Koscielny too much because I think he's an awful defender. But Cazorla midfield picking up a knock on the knee. And hopefully hopefully that's not that's not too bad. There's nothing he can do about that. That's one of those things that, that, that just happens. That's 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 the way that that's what happens in in, in the trade of being a professional footballer, uh, but hopefully Cazorla is just a knock and probably a bit of bruising maybe on it, and that everything will be okay. But they'll be getting their scans anyway today. Yeah, well, Spurs drawing it all with Chelsea. They're just two points off the top four. Yeah, and a great a great start from Spurs on beating now since uh, since August. It, it's been a brilliant start, and Potichina seems to be getting things uh, sorted out as Spurs as well. You don't hear too much of Daniel Levy these days. Uh, the chairman talking about buying this player, buying that player. So it was suspected that uh, uh, Pochettino was after coming in and laying down the law to leave. You know, this is this is my department, and certainly he got rid of Baldini, uh, who was the recruitment man. So that that's a huge plus uh, for uh, Pochettino, and, and and Spurs are, are are playing well now. Both teams yesterday cancelled each other out, and so much that neither team knew how to win the match. And, and and of the two teams yesterday, I thought that Chelsea were probably that little bit unlucky not to win it. Hazard from a great cross uh, should have really put stuck the ball in the back of the net and said he headed it over. And that, that if was Diego Costa is playing. That was is a that a goal? Chance. Should he have been playing? Well, only only Mourinho knows what, what Diego Costa is up to. But with the antics that I saw Diego Costa uh, uh, at on the sideline and his lack of preparation, not warming up, and then been petulant and thrown a, a bib in the direction of Mourinho that's childish stuff of the highest grade and if he sees this again on camera he should be ashamed of himself for his behaviour because nobody uh, deserves to, to behave like that well, Mourinho has said that you know, he wants that kind of player he wants a player who'll show fight and who I isn't want, happy I want a player to show fight but on the pitch yeah. on the show on the pitch not on the sideline not being petulant on the sideline not refusing to do a warm up that's ridiculous. Carry on, and then uh, throwing throwing a stupid bib in the direction of Mourinho. That's that's that's, that's childish off the highest degree. I hope that when he looks at it, 
that he's embarrassed to high heaven because he, sh- he should be. Now, maybe he doesn't have the wit to be embarrassed. That's the, that's the next sad part about it. And he, he is a good player, but he's only a good player when he's playing well. He has not performed this season. He does not get into the six-yard box, into the penalty area, off enough. He does not make the runs when balls are, are, are fizzing across the face of the goal from either Hazard or Oscar or, or Fabregas. He is not in there. So he's the only one that can a- answer the question, why am I not making those runs that I was making last year? Yeah. So he, there's, there's a lazy streak to him. Uh, which, which, which is sad because he is he is a could be injury as well. I mean, he is, he is he a just wonderful cannot talent. shake off is the hamstring injury. But he's had the hamstring injury now for two or yeah. three years. If you if you recall in, in the Euro, yeah. in the in the in the in the Champions League final. So he should la- that be he rested? Lasted, should he lasted eighteen yeah. minutes? No, he cheated that night, yeah. Oshin, because he shouldn't have played. Yeah, he only lasted eighteen minutes. So he was thinking of him instead of thinking of yeah. the team and the supporters. So he thought of, oh, I thought of, I'm thinking of Diego here. So I'll, I'll get out and I'll play. 18 minutes, disgraceful. And he, he, now he's continuing on the same vein. And if 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 he if he's if he if he still has that hamstring strain, but let him let him get it sorted out. Give them time to get it sorted out. Let the medical team look after all of that. And then when you're fit, you come along and we'll see. We, we'll assess you and see how fit you are. Yep. And he hasn't he hasn't done that. Instead, he, wa- he just wants to be petulant on the sideline. Stupid, carry on. Now I guess every chap between here. So and the John Terry didn't hit him. <laughs> Maybe he did off no. camera. Uh, in uh, every conversation we'll have between here and Euro 2016, no doubt we'll find some way of cramming Ireland into it. Um, James McLean was part of the West Brom team that drew one all away to West Brom. Or away, away to, West to West Ham. Ham. Yeah, all yeah. the West, yeah. uh, West side. Away to West Ham yesterday. Uh, seems to be putting a run of form together and a run of games together. Well, uh, yeah, I, I watch it and, and, and half decent. Yeah. Um, when James McLean is, is, is taking people on and, and, and getting past them and whipping in good crosses. That's the James McLean I want to see. Uh, again, not, not, not the James McLean who, who doesn't know whether to put in the cross, who wants to take too much out of the ball, who hasn't made his mind up as to what he's going to do with the ball. All good players before the ball comes to them know exactly what they're going to do with the ball. Now, he has to learn. He has to get that, that art in, in, into his locker. And when he does this on a consistent basis, then I'll be happy with James McLean. But I, I, I don't want to see it once... Uh, I don't want to see it once a month or once in every six or seven games. I want to see it every game. Are you positive though that because you know Tony Pulis keeps picking him, and Pulis doesn't strike me as the kind of guy who's going to pick a player whose attitude is wrong. Yes. And he has publicly criticised McLean. Oh he, yes, and, you know, and, he hasn't and, and held he's back. Been, and, he's been, and he's been quite right. And what McLean will give you as well. I mean, McLean will be, will be honest on what he'll do, yeah. and he'll, he'll he'll get his tackles in. And by and large, except for the other occasion, he will track back and he will stay with his man. But uh, uh, there are the few occasions when he when he when he goes missing as well. So Tony Pulis has a, has a big job on, on his hands to go and manage him, and and thus far he he hasn't been doing badly with it. But it, there's still a lot of room for improvement uh, from James McLean. If, if if James McLean's attitude is right and his head is in the right place, he's he's gonna he's gonna be okay. But that is that is the question mark. Can he can he keep his head in the right place? Uh, can he be disciplined? Because he he shows some on occasions a distinct lack of discipline, and he can't you know like flying into tackles when there's no chance of winning the ball and getting stupid yellow cards and then being then being suspended for for a game or two. Yeah. You now that's that's absolutely crazy stuff. So he's got to learn how to control himself. When he learns to do that, when he learns that uh, uh, to play the simple ball and play it well, when he gets into a crossing position, to whip that ball in with lots of pace on it and lots of power, 
then, then, we, then we're looking at, at a half decent player but he's got to do all of those things Whip it into Daryl Murphy possibly Darryl two goals Murphy, for him against Ipswich in a 3-1 yeah, win but, Yeah with, with, with a bit of luck and, and, and Daryl Murphy can score every place but for, uh, for, for Ireland and, 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 and perhaps that will come in time and perhaps if he's in the squad for, for the Euro finals that, that he'll, he'll, he'll come good he'll have had a, a, another good season under his belt so hopefully I mean, but as, as, we, as we know Oshin, there's a huge difference between international football and championship football so that's the step up that he's got to make as well the more than you know speaking about Richie Towell earlier on the more than Richie has got to make that step up as well and it's a big big ask but I, I believe that Richie Towell will be um, uh, good enough to play international football in, within the next season Could he be the kind of Houlihan type? I hope not could he be what? <laughs> See, you're not a fan of Hulu. I'm not a. I, well, Could I, he be what? We, I watched. I watched well, again yeah. yesterday. Uh, Norwich, and yeah. I, I'm sorry, but it it, it doesn't happen because it, it, it's it's uh, it's all five yard balls. Yeah. And there's no there's no progression. There's no penetration with the pass, and and uh, that's the problem. That's one of that's one. Of, that's Does one he keep of, the that's ball? That's one of the problems. But he keeps the ball going nowhere. You know, when you have the ball, you have to. You no have good to, in giving it away, though. You have to, yeah, but you have to be creative. But he's only going back with the ball, yeah. and he's giving it to somebody else to give it away. Just because, just because. You see, to me, he 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 he's he's absolved himself from 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 criticism or from from making the hard decision because he's given it back to somebody to a centre half fragment or a full back who's going to just hoof it forward as they do, yeah. and it's gone anyway. So I don't, I don't understand that. I don't understand that why he can't, he should be the one to be tur- getting turned on the ball and be facing the opposition's goal, not facing his own goal. So he's got to get that. He's thirty three years of age. Perhaps it's a bit late for him to get it into his game, but he, if he can, he's got to get. It. And I'm, I'm, do you know what I'm amazed at, Russian? That no manager has picked him up in this at club level. I can't figure that one out for the life of me. That nobody has picked him up. Because yesterday he brought the full back. Uh, for instance. It took him 28 minutes of the first half to touch the ball for a midfield player. Yeah, that's that's a, there's a huge question marks over him when you, when you go that length of time without touching the ball. And yesterday, twice in the game, he brought the full backs into the game, but not in deep, not not in good attacking positions. Balls that were just just ordinary balls. Just he's on the halfway line, played square to the full back. The ball was still going square. No, the fullbacks weren't making the runs to just stick him in there. But even in the Irish setup, Coleman going all, all 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 day long, he never picks Coleman out yeah. on, on on a ball. And they're they're my concerns. They maybe have been maybe have been overcritical, but I, I I don't think I am. But some people will think that I am. But fine. But that's what I that's the improvement I need to see in in West Ireland. And at this stage of a career, he should know what he has to do and yeah. what he hasn't got to do. Robbie Brady and Presto. Robbie, Robbie, yeah, Robbie, yeah, Robbie, yeah, Robbie, Robbie is decent and and made a made a great run for the for the for the goal as well and and took the ball into Gavin and and he went and finished it uh, absolutely brilliantly. But uh, Gabriel at, at centre half for for Arsenal needs locking up. I mean, he's he's gone he's gone the wrong side of of Gavin and and it, it, he he just made he made Gavin's mind up from that. Here we go, I, I I can roll him off here without any problem. And so he did and stuck it in the back of the net. One each. Thanks very much indeed. And then Arsenal just went went out of the game. Which was which was quite incredible to to think that a, a team with with so many decent players that they should be uh, found wanting um, at, at Norwich yesterday mm-hmm. away from home. Well, we'll Mister Wenger has an awful lot of of, of uh, questions to answer. Okay, Paddy Mulligan, as always, thanks for joining us on the rewind. Pleasure indeed, Oshin. Thank you.
Pro 12 Rugby now on the rewind here on News Talk. Connacht claimed a first win of the professional era at Thoman Park, beating Munster 18 12 in Saturday's encounter with the Reds. The victory leaves them two points clear at the top of the table. After the very, very famous win, the breakthrough one win, you might call it, Coach Pat Lamb spoke to Rob Murphy. I raised my hand to them and uh, saluted them because I could hear them throughout the whole game. And, you know, I, I was my first year at Munster here and we got a lot of, uh, a lot of uh, flack or a lot of uh, chanting at us from the Munster crowd. And so every time we sit here, it's like, oh, geez, okay, we were expecting it. Today was awesome because they were all in front of me. So it was like a home game. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, and for me, that was tremendous. But for the players, even better. And, um, you know, and even, even off that, geez, look at Toman Park and... Uh, to hear Connick, Connick, just the cheer of Connick away is just shows how far we've come, not just as a team, but as a as a whole province. Pat, when you watch rugby like we do, and as journalists, sometimes you think that you can be a hundred percent in the mental game, uh, even though you can't play the game. That's my perspective on it. Today, I'm starting to realise these guys are even mentally stronger than any average person because we were so angry at that penalty try, and we, like I'd say, we lost our composure a little bit. The players didn't. You said that in there. They really just kept it in their stride, and unlike Connick teams in the past, they weren't going to let this beat them. Yeah. Exactly. I think, you know, we, we've been saying it along um, right through about the learnings you can take. And I suppose the thing that was pleasing before we went to Russia, before we even knew all of the delays were going to happen, we said, this is, um, this is what's coming up. It is an opportunity to actually build resilience and mental toughness. So that was the goal and the aim of that two weeks against uh, Russia and, and Brief. So that it, I didn't want them to, something to happen and then say, oh, well, you know, that, that's, we can be better from that. I wanted them to actually train it and understand that's going to happen. So just bang. And so every time something happened, it's cold, deal with it. We've got to train in the cold, deal with it. Um, buses late, deal with it, you know. And, and, and all of that uh, practice... You know, and it, it came to, it came an opportunity to, to when, we, when we did get delayed, that the boys could then make it happen. And then in a game like that, that happens, boom. And we train around yellow card situations. We train um, different things. We, we, you know, we I throw out scenarios. You know, we're down by three points or we're up by two points now at training. So we talk all of those scenarios. And then when it happens, it, it enables you to stay calm and composed and stay. And the only way we get back into our game whenever things aren't going quite well, i.e. lose the ball, back into system on defence, um, score a try, back into systems, concede a try, back into systems. Um, that's uh, that's that's what I'm really pleased what the boys are doing. Just the last question, and because I know you got to go and you've been answering a lot for it, but just on the significance of 13 years, I know you say history is history, but it's like I think it's 37 games there, 36 defeats, one draw away from home against Irish provinces. For me, this feels like a massive milestone. Yeah, well now we can say instead of 37 years, it's 30 minutes ago or 40 minutes ago, and you know that's that's now you know ticked off. Um, and like I said, I'm really pleased for you know for yourselves, Connacht people, been around for a long time covering the game. I'm pleased for John Mundo. I'm pleased for all the people who, you know, part of that. You know, obviously I've I've only been here two years or so, so it's not as significant for me the understanding all of that that history. But I am really pleased for everybody that's uh, from here, and um, and that they can really celebrate that. And um, you know, particularly John, I'm really pleased for John. And um, but now we, it's important that you know, and I accept that. But now it's it is it is part of history. It, it, you know, now we move on to the to the next challenge. Yeah, we're big fans of Pat Lamb, the Connacht coach here on the Rewind. We're also big fans of Rob Murphy, who has been uh, reporting on Connacht for many many years now. And um, well, he must be really enjoying their success. Well, that's it for this week. We're back next week with a full review of the Leinster football final between Portlaoise and Ballyboden Saint Enders. We'll have reports across the day uh, from that game 
on Off The Ball next Sunday. There'll also be more on the Pro 12 plus the Premier League. And don't forget, also next Sunday on Off The Ball, live commentary of Newcastle against Liverpool. Until uh, next Monday, take care and uh, goodbye. Rewind with Oisín Langan. It has it. For quid of it. 30 metres down. Shot. We celebrate along in tonight. We know the tradition. Nemo having Munster to beat them in a Munster Championship game takes a, a huge, huge effort. And thankfully, we got there probably by a way that no one was expecting. But sure, we got there in the end, which we're happy about. Everyone thought this team was done, but boy, have they proved people wrong. They have bounced back and kicked down the door of the promised land. Al Arsabala, finally. Champions of Leinster. Uh, yeah, to be honest with you, yeah, it would have been. Uh, if I had it with Oda today not winning, it would have been tough to come back from though, to be honest with you. It's been DFT with the spectacular finish. And is that the try that ends the 29 year drive for Connacht? Look at time in Park and uh, to hear Connacht, Connacht, just the cheer of Connacht away, man, is just shows how far we've come, not just as a team, but as a, as a whole province. Milner against Fabianski. Milner scores straight down the middle. Liverpool lead at Anfield. James Milner with the penalty. It's Liverpool 1, Swansea 0.